0: Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 99 of the Premiere Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. And just like before any other episode, we have to first talk about the kits we're wearing. I'm just rocking just a normal, basic Manchester United jersey from 2015-2016. But Tyler has a special jersey that he is wearing that he actually got in the mail today.
1: Yeah, I got it in the mail today. It's this year's twenty? What was it 20, 2021? 20, mm-hmm. A Liverpool home jersey. And I got the uh, Premier League winners badge on it. Finally, we can finally <laughs> have one of these on our jerseys and also the FIFA Club World Cup badge and also Trent on the back. You can barely see it, but yeah, you can kind of see you it on the iPod. Don't you
0: know want to knock out the mic. I'll I know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's all good.
0: And yeah, it no, it good. looks sick, though. It looks good. Thank you. Yeah, looks nice. Mint, and just brand in new time jersey. for the pod. <laughs> yeah. He's got the mint brand new jersey going on. Um, but yeah, that, that's a, that's a really cool jersey. Um, but to get things started, we have to unfortunately talk about my team, Manchester United, who were knocked out of the Champions League on Tuesday. Um, they lost 3-2 to RB Leipzig. They went to Germany, um, to face them. Um, it was a really crashing and, Horrible result for United because the way they started out the group beating PSG and RB Leipzig and starting off the group 2-0 and then unfortunately losing a game they should have won. And honestly, looking back at it, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back at that game, um, if they, w- they would have won that game, they would have gone through in this group. And unfortunately, they just lost the one team that they shouldn't have lost to, which was Istanbul, Beshak in... You know, in East, like in Turkey, they lost that game to obviously Demba Ba scoring that goal. So unfortunately, it was weird. It was called the group of death and Manchester United ended up beating two teams that, you know, no one, you know, you could have probably maybe RB Leipzig was a bit of a toss up game, but PSG, everyone thought they were going to, you know just sweep everyone, but they somehow beat PSG and RB Leipzig, but they lost to the one team they couldn't lose to, which was um, Istanbul-Bishakshir, which is honestly, you know, no offense to them. It was kind of the gimme game of the group and RB Leipzig and PSG both took advantage of that game, won those games, and then United unfortunately lost one, won one, and then they entered the final day, final match day needing a win or a draw to secure a um, a birthplace into the round of 16 and they just couldn't do it. It was the same plague that's been hurting this team all season. It's the slow start, the inconsistency in the lineup and basically starting really slow in the first half and hoping your quality takes you through in the second half. And unfortunately you can maybe get away with that a little bit in the champ in the premier league. But when it comes to champions league, it's a, it's a different story and it finally bit them in the back. So it was a crushing result for all United fans. Um, and it's it's crushing and it's also a little baffling because with the squad we have, we, we honestly should be going through the to the round of 16 with the squad we have. You know, I think it's definitely capable enough of getting to the round of 16, but it just didn't happen.
1: Well, you got that chance, but in the Europa League now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Did we curse them? Because last week we were both saying, I think.
0: Everyone that- was saying that they were supposed to get through. Everyone mm-hmm. had them predicted going through. So it was just, uh, you know, I... You know, just looking at the squad objectively, though, I think it's just, it it, it should have gone through. You know, this squad is talented enough to go through with the players they have. It's just, you know, I don't want to keep pointing fingers back to the manager, but it's sort of, um, you know, I I have two phrases to kind of sum up Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's reign. As Manchester United up to this point is consistently inconsistent and one step forward, two steps back. And I think if you actually look at Solskjaer's reign, it just everything those two phrases can kind of sum up what we've seen um as a Manchester United fan under Erik Solskjaer is we see them potentially taking the next steps towards that you know that next leap you know last year we saw them when they beat Tottenham beat C- beat City and then they ended up drawing against Everton losing to Watford and then they're back to square one this season it's like okay they pick up some of these wins you know you're thinking they're going to get you know start building some momentum and it's just the same thing they either lose they draw They're inconsistent, and I don't know. It's just hard to pinpoint what has kind of gone wrong in this full season two of Ole and Solskjaer, but it's just inconsistency has been the plague, and I will keep going back to it. It's just inconsistency that's been hurting this team this season.
1: And I feel like for the past few weeks now, it's been Ole and Solskjaer just on the hot seat, just thinking maybe the next loss will be when he's out and someone else comes in for him. Mm -hmm. do you think this drop to the Europa League is a big hit and maybe a step into maybe him going because at this point it's like they don't have Champions League anymore
0: exactly I I think it is but there has been a lot of reports saying that the board is still under Solskjaer because they're looking at his win percentages and stuff and they're still seeing that hey this club is still kind of going in the right direction yeah you can make that point but I feel like a lot of the wins he's getting or could potentially turn into a lot of losses or draws because he's winning a lot of games like three two three one games that he's actually been losing in the first half and it's kind of been that um you know granted you could make the argument that hey he's bringing back that comeback spirit of you know never give up you know don't quit on the team but also you can't sustainably win a lot of games by going two nil down one nil down continuously like you can't Liverpool is not winning the league like that. Man City never won the league like that. Even Manchester United in their heyday didn't win leagues like that. Jose Mourinho's sides definitely didn't win leagues like that. Sure, you can get, you need those type of comeback victories maybe like 10 times in a season, but you can't keep doing it week in and week out and expect to get anywhere. And I think, you know, the luck of those comebacks has been going towards United's way in the Premier League for, you know, for the past couple of weeks. But I feel like eventually that luck is going to run out and, you know, it's going to come back and hurt us and which it did in the Champions League game. But we can, we, if we keep doing this, I feel like we're going to start seeing United, you know, draw 2-2, you know, lose 2-1, you know, they just can't keep doing it. And, you know, it's not sustainable. I'll say that it's just not sustainable to keep coming back with these comeback victories. It's just not. Mm-hmm.
1: And you're right, because like now they're they're out of the Champions League. Exactly. So, and you make the good point where it's like, although Manchester United have instilled that that fight to get back and come back in games, it's basically every game because they have to. They exactly. Can't just, they can't just keep the Boss of game.
0: <laughs> they can't. Yeah.
1: They can't just win one zero. It's really hard for them to do. I don't know if it has to do with I, – I still think it's something to do with the defense, the personnel, like, you know, Maguire at times.
0: But and, and I I just find the biggest thing that's so shocking from, you know, full – you know, obviously Solskjaer became as interim manager that season, but I'm really counting, like, season one and then season two. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in season one, Solskjaer kind of you, – you saw that he kind of, like, fixed a lot of the defensive errors, and a lot of the goals we were conceding were actually David De Gea mistakes in the goal. And, you know, that's what led in a couple of the goals. But this season, it's been a mixture of both. Sometimes it's been a little bit of weird goalkeeping errors, but a lot of times it's just been poor defensive. They've just been very poor defensively. And that's where I'm really baffled by how this team that kind of seemed like they took a leap into taking the next step forward and becoming a good defense has now taken a step back and have basically switched off a lot of times, has been kind of lazy tracking back, not being very, um, I would say, uh, disciplined in their defensive marking, kind of just been lazily like running around, walking around, letting them baba through. Like th- that, to me, it's just really odd that it's happening in season two. I just, you know, that that kind of shows that it, are they not working on this in the training ground? Is it not being is it not a priority when they're preaching about it in the training ground? Are just players just not taking in what they're seeing? I, I don't know. I think the defensive issues is just something that's really baffling to me. Um, in season two under mm-hmm. Solskjaer.
1: We're even seeing a lot of players, like they have good personnel at Manchester United. Like I'll give them that. Like objectively, there's players on there. Like, you know, we got Pogba, who, who's making some appearances now after mm-hmm. kind of being disappeared for a while. But <laughs> then also you have those players that we're just mentioning in the defense, like you know, like Aaron Juan bissaka Like there's this ESPN top 10 rankings that was just released uh, this past week for every position and Aaron Wan-Bissaka did not get on the top 10 list.
0: Yeah, it's shocking.
1: I saw like Serginho Dest make number 10 and Kieran Trippier make number 9. I was thinking, what what? Those yeah. two. And I mean, the people have spoken. <laughs> and yeah. even watching that game against uh Leipzig, like Angelino managed to get past uh Aaron Wan-Bissaka kind of easily and just score within the first 2 minutes. So maybe it is kind of Showing that maybe Aaron Wan-Bissaka is not really fulfilling that potential right now, even.
0: And I I think it also has to do with a lot of like the defense as a whole. I think, you know, there are individual players to blame, but I think as a whole unit, they haven't been very secured and very uh, compact. You know, you have Maguire, Lindelof, like not really communicating that well. You know, Maguire's made mistakes. Lindelof has made individual mistakes. And then at the left back, when it was Luke Shaw he's been caught making mistakes. Alex Telles sometimes has not been the most disciplined going back. You know, he's good going forward, but sometimes in the back, he lives himself a little vulnerable. So overall, I think they just haven't been very disciplined. And I think you can kind of teach discipline, you know, and I feel like sometimes when you see mistakes like that, like little, some of those mistakes that I've just been seeing all season of like players being switched off, players not being really on the ball focused, that has to kind of pinpoint back to the training sessions and what you're really preaching in training and like what is the focus, you know. So to me, I feel like a lot of that could be fixed, but it just needs the right voice. They need to hear the right voice to kind of get them motivated to fix those things. So mm-hmm. I don't know. A, I, I,
1: a new coach.
0: Yes. That's something Maybe. that I've been saying. But I will go back to the issue is that There's still, like Arsenal, I feel like there's still a bigger, you know, I've talked about this before. I still think there's a bigger problem at Manchester United that goes beyond just the manager and just the players. Yes, the manager has a lot to blame. And yes, the players have a lot to to blame as well. But when you just look at how the overall club is run, you you have to go to that as, you know, the root of the problem. And, you know, things really aren't going to change because let's say... You know, if we do get a manager like Pochettino, it will be great. You know, I think he will improve the team a lot, but you'll probably see where they he'll probably get back for one summer transfer window. When the next one comes, he's not going to get the players that he's going to ask for, and he's going to end up getting his second, third choice signings. And then you're back to the, you're back to square one again. It's just like, oh, he's not getting the results. What, What do we do, you know? So... You Know it's so tricky because I, I think the manager, unfortunately, with Solskjaer, I think he's you know he's obviously a United legend, he deserves all the praise he gets, you know, as a, as a former legend. But I think you know it'd probably be good for both sides that if he admits and then as a club admit just that hey, this isn't going to work out, you know, it's not going to be the dream fairy tale story of a former player taking over the big club, turning them around, making them European giants again. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. So I think for it would be best for both parties to kind of just call it quits and then look look elsewhere, you know? But I don't know. I, it, it, You know, Tyler, you heard me talk about it. It's just there's there's multitude of problems at Manchester United, and it's one of those things that just can't be fixed by one thing. Signing one player isn't going to fix it. Signing one manager isn't going to fix it. It's a whole structural change that needs to take place for them to really solidify themselves as the European elites consistently. Mm-hmm. Like they used to,
1: I really think it has to do with maybe bringing in that manager that also brings in a change in culture. Mm. Like it's really hard to change that culture at Manchester United since it was something under Sir Alex Ferguson for so long that you know the other managers coming in after him tried to just keep that culture going, and even the ones who tried to change it a little bit, like. Like Mourinho, it was hard for him to do anything because you know the board has their own way of doing things, and when you know Olegan and Solskjaer is in, it's hard for him to change anything because there's so much already going on at the club. Like the like this is just how it is because this is how it has been. Mm-hmm. And for they really, I feel like need someone just to bring in like you know a Pep Guardiola kind of kind of esque person where he'll just change the whole dynamic of the club. Be like, are right, we going to get only these kind of players? We're going to do this kind of style. We're going to do this kind of transfer policy, which is only bringing in expensive, po- like, I don't know, something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I but, agree, and I think, you know, I have to give like there's as much as sometimes, you know, I've complained about Solskjaer and such. I do have to give him credit that he did what he inherited when he became that interim boss and the full time manager at that point was a pretty broken squad. You know, you had players like Lukaku, Sanchez, you know, the whole Mourinho ending of Mourinho style at Manchester United. A lot of big players on big wages that didn't necessarily fit the culture of the club. And for, you know, you can talk to a lot of United fans. They will say that you go, you got to give yeah. Solskjaer credit for kind of dealing with that and bringing in sort of the right culture of players like Bruno Fernandes, for example. Um, that type of players that you would typically find in an old Manchester United Manchester United squad, that type of leader that can, you know... Just basically perform day in and day out, and he's done a good job, I would say, of bringing in those type of players. But you know, when it comes to the tactics of things, I think that's where it's kind of let him down. But another thing that's kind of been hurting this Manchester United side for the past couple of years is the Mino Riola, Riola, Riola. I think, yeah, Riola, <laughs> yeah, which is basically Paul Pogba's, Paul Pogba's agent. And if you didn't know, he's also the agent of Erling Holland and a couple other big you know, international superstars in the soccer, in European soccer. But basically the day before this big Champions League game, he comes out and says that Paul Pogba will no longer be a Manchester United player. He says that, and he's done things in the past, which has basically undermined and disrespected Manchester United. And for me as a United fan, I'm just like, I kind of look at this guy. I'm like, does this guy not have any shame? Like, I feel like he just has like no self-respect for you know the people around him. And if I'm Paul Pogba, if I know he's going to make these comments, why is he okay with letting these comments come out a day before the club that he currently plays for has one of the biggest games of their probably club in their recent history that he, they need to get to the round of 16? Why would he be okay with making these comments? And for me, I don't think Paul Pogba is that type of person to – you know, really say something like this. So I feel like it was probably the agent taking control and saying stuff like this behind Pogba's back. You know, I still think Pogba at the end of the day will probably leave, but you know, something has to be done. I I feel like that's just really disrespectful for any club to kind of be in this type of situation where the agent is just basically going behind the club's back in this way. And the way Mino has done it throughout Paul Pogba's tenure when it was Mourinho and now it was under Solskjaer. I'm just not a fan of it. Mm -hmm. It's,
1: Weird to even have the agent be this vocal. Like, yeah. if you can
0: think of any other
1: player, you can't think, oh, like, Sadio Mane's man- or agent is this person, or, you know, David De Gea's manager is this person. You only know of Mino Raiola. You only know of the people he's been in charge of. And usually he kind of is in charge of the people of like the bigger egos. So the egos of, say, like Ibrahimovic or Balotelli. And usually it's like, that's why he's also kind of more well-known, but also I wouldn't be surprised if this is more from him. Cause I don't think Pogba's the type to say, you know, let's have this word go out right before a big game like this. I, I think this is more a stunt for Raiola to maybe make a move to get Pogba some more money or maybe to get him to get like a bigger move somewhere else. But I think these are all like agent mind games because, this doesn't seem like something Pogba would do. And that also brings me to the question of when you have a player like Pogba attached to an agent like Mino Raiola, do you even want to kind of take that in to another club because like that that's something you have to consider now at that point where that kind of agent can help bring a disruptive like wave into your own club if you possibly bring them in and cause, you know, things like this to happen where right before a big game, you get a distraction from an agent. And in my opinion, I don't think it's worth it at certain times. Yeah. Like it, it might just completely like I would say take away not credibility for a player, but just that marketability for a player. It's like this player could change my team, but also at the same time, it could be changing in a bad way just because of the agent.
0: Yeah, they were talking about, I heard a couple of pundits talking about this, that really, there's only a certain number of clubs that can really afford Paul Pogba's wage, his transfer fee, and, the, you know, the agent fees and such. And you were talking clubs such as Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, you know, the top European clubs. And they were basically saying, if I'm any of those clubs, I would not even touch Pogba because you're basically taking in a player with this, you know, this agent that's going to keep, you know, saying things if he's not playing or if he's not doing this or this. And for me, I kind of really thought about it when when it comes to Pogba, I really do feel bad for him because the reunion he had with Manchester United, unfortunately has not gone as well as many have hoped. And as I hoped. because really we kind of brought him in at a time where Mourinho, it was Mourinho's first season. We brought him in to kind of be that star player that was going to propel United back to the top. And, Really, where, where wherever he's gone, he's never been, sure, he's been like a star player, but he's never been the guy. When he was at Juventus, he had Pirlo um, and Marquisio next to him in the midfield, Arturo Vidal as well. And he wasn't really asked to do all the dirty work when it comes to tracking back, going back and forth. He could just kind of play his own game. And then when the French national team, he has player, he's surrounded by players like Mbappe, Griezmann, Kante, Matuidi you know, he has that balance there. So he can kind of be that free-flowing Pogba that everyone knows and loves. And a lot of people were talking about this, and I I think it's starting to come a little bit true for me. When When he does play for Manchester United, so much pressure is put on him because of his price tag, but also because he was, for the longest time, the only guy in the midfield. Now we have Bruno Fernandez, but for the longest time, it was just Paul Pogba. It was just Paul Pogba playing alongside Matic, Fred, McTominay, just Paul Pogba there to create and he's never been in that position and unfortunately he's just one of those players I don't think that you can just be the guy I don't think he's I don't think he's he's very good but I don't think he's that type of player that can just raise the floor for you he's one of those players that I feel like if you ha- already have a very well established team he can kind of go in and make that team a little bit better you know I don't think he's the I guess what I'm saying he's not a LeBron James type where he can kind of go into any team he wants to and then basically raise the ceiling you know raise the floor he's one of those where it's a luxury player almost where if you already have a well-balanced good side and you place Pogba in, he's going to make them better like if he went into Liverpool he would make Liverpool a little bit better but I don't think he could come in and just go into a some random side and make them that much better so I was thinking about that I think You know, the more I think about it, unfortunately, Paul Pogba was made to be this floor raiser when reality like really speaking, it seems like he's almost more of a luxury player where you can kind of get the most out of him once you already have the squad there for him. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that a lot um, during this past week.
1: That's actually a really good point to bring up because I feel like a lot of people, including myself, I kind of thought of Pogba as, you know, the floor raiser, someone who you can Mm -hmm. build a team around. Kind of like Wilfred Zaha, you kind of have to build yeah. a team around him for him to work. But as I think about it now, and after you you know pulling up your, your points, whereas you know he really was that player. Once you add him on top of a really good team, you know they'll win things. Yeah. And if you think about it, like if you were to compare it to another sport, you know like basketball, he'd be like Rajon Rondo, I guess. Yeah. Where Rondo by himself, you put him like the Pelicans, you put him on, you know, where was he before the Bulls? They're they're not going to be that much better. He's just mm-hmm. a really good defensive point guard. Like that's all he can really do. And Pogba, he's like that really good playmaker that if you give him the space, he can do whatever he wants and just let him do what he needs. Like, you know, Ozil. If you can just give Ozil what he wants to do, then yeah. your team will be magic. But if you make him do anything else on top of what he has, then it's not gonna work. Yeah. It just it's just he can't do what he can that he wants to do and that magic won't come. Mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird thing to think about for someone like that but you, i mean he's not the only s- soccer player out there that is that kind of luxury player like you know ozil is one of them mm-hmm. He's another kind of defense uh, player that doesn't really track back or well, yeah or play
0: for the longest time it was kind of like that luxury pick where you know <laughs> he, was, he became a liability at the end because he just didn't defend and he was more of just that offensive minded player but i agree with you kind of I guess bring another basketball term like Klay Thompson. He's not a Steph Curry where you put him in and he's going to elevate the team, raise the floor. He is a good complement to an already good side, you know? So unfortunately, I think a lot of United, like true United fans are going to be sad when he does leave because we all know how how much quality he has and how much he can make a team better. It's just going to be pretty sad seeing him perform with a team that's already built. And there have been a lot of reports that Juventus is the team that he wants to go back to, kind of that, another... <laughs> He's
1: going back and forth.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, if he goes to Juventus, I think it will work out well for him because there's already a well-established team there. And, you know, he'll be playing under Andre Pirlo, former player he played under. So, you know, yeah, I you know, it's kind of one of those things. He's just that luxury player that unfortunately he came to united he came back to united at the wrong time if he was playing under sir alex ferguson united i think he would have thrived 100% mm. but unfortunately yeah. coming under like the project based united it's just it's not working bruno fernandes is the floor is the floor raiser but yeah, Paul pogba definitely. unfortunately it's kind of like that luxury pick type thing
1: even going back to juventus i don't even know what would be a good idea for him right now because there's someone already in his position playing and that's uh, paulo Dybala. <laughs> like the player can just do whatever he wants and just play forward. Even yeah. at times, Aaron Ramsey too. So yeah, I even know if Pogba can even get his time there, <laughs> Mino Raiola is just going to go off again. So yeah.
0: we'll we'll see. Because I think they're unfortunately, I don't think United will be able to recoup like the full transfer amount they paid for him because it was a it was a like he basically yeah. smashed the world record, the transfer record at the time. Um But I. You know, I definitely want if if he's gonna go, I feel like they definitely need to do their best to get like a transfer fee because if you let Paul Pogba leave on the free, that'd be a horrible mistake. You can't do that. So any type of transfer fee or a player swap, I feel like they need to they need to negotiate something like that because I think they just have to kind of come to terms that unfortunately, Paul Pogba won't be a Manchester United player for too long, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting because I remember you calling that when we started the podcast like in twenty eighteen. You were like, I, I I think Paul Pogba might leave. I do remember that. You I know, said you, that. Yeah, you said like he might end up leaving because that was when that Mourinho Pogba um, relationship was really coming to an end. So we'll see. We'll see. Dude, um, just shout a- out to
1: uh, old me then. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know remember saying that future. myself. And this is yeah,
0: the I, primary source. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: That's me. But in
0: the future, there. But yeah. who knows?
1: Maybe he'll go to like PSG or something.
0: That'd be crazy. That'd be, be easy for him to. then. He just yeah. literally
1: do whatever he wants.
0: Exactly. Maybe Real Madrid with um Zinedine Zidane, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But moving on to not to spend like we spent way too much time with United, but moving on to Tottenham Arsenal. Um, in the North London derby, Tottenham destroyed Arsenal 2-0. But the real star of the show was Sanaldo. Um, my God, he scored another screamer. I feel like he scored, he scores at least one screamer each season. And this one was a fantastic goal. I mean, absolutely like you could like when you pick like a picture perfect goal in soccer you kind of think of that goal for son just cuts in on his right foot in stride in motion hits it goalkeeper no chance goal one nil um it it was fantastic and then to top that off Kane scored a, a pretty big a pretty decent goal himself near post like just shot it in the roof so I mean Tottenham uh, I
1: feel bad for Leno. <laughs> yeah,
0: Leno just got screwed over with like, man, like fantastic goals. But man, Tottenham are mm-hmm. out of this world right now.
1: Son literally feels like a player straight out of FIFA 14. Like it's just he just has those finesse shots where you just can't stop him. Like he just has the right trajectory and right angles where you know it's coming, but you can't do and can't do anything to stop it. It really makes no sense when you watch him play. It's like this guy is not real, and. <laughs> Like kudos to both of them because now they add another tally to their duo stat Assisting where goal. yeah the assist and goal where they assist and give each other goals and now they just keep that going and they're at the top of the table once again now and Mourinho I feel like his ego is being fed it just keeps being fed more and more as they go off because they kept another clean sheet granted it was against Arsenal who's struggling to score in open play still if the company in the, 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 League, not in the, Europa, the League. Europa League.
0: Yeah, if it's Riopa League, they can score 10 goals.
1: Yeah, but if it's uh, Premier League, it's uh, way different. But, I mean, for Arsenal, it's it's pretty bad. This game, most of their chances just came from set pieces. And even the set pieces weren't that great.
0: Yeah, it didn't help, too, that Thomas Partey got injured as well in the game. Mm -hmm. He came off injured.
1: In the first half. And this is right after he was out for three games. So, for Arsenal fans, they're already been saying you know, it's been a rough season so far but at this point i've been seeing arsenal fans on twitter just go off just like has it ever been this bad even under Unai emery like have you and been like, spoiled
0: last year's a finger too yes
1: finger. it is like dallas cowboys fans when they're like was it really this bad under jason garrett <laughs> but <laughs> exactly. now it's like arsenal but I mean, let's pose that question to us, Josh. Was it actually this bad under Unai Emery? I don't even think so because... Well,
0: I think we have a short memory because um, I think recency bias is getting getting to us because I think we... If you remember, you remember this time around last year when Arsenal basically got blown out by Leicester and they... That was Unai Emery and they looked really bad. I mean, they looked really bad under Unai Emery. (laughs) They looked like they had no passion, no nothing. I think with Arteta... I think you still see a little bit of that passion, but I I think there definitely is a lot of like the attacking. They need to figure it out. They just haven't been able to figure out like how to get Aubameyang to score goals, how to feed the ball to Aubameyang, how to create chances for him. Um, you know, I, I I still think there's just something missing with that team. I I think I think they are in a just in a better position as a club under Emery. I I think it, it it's not showing right now, but I still think that um, Arteta. Arteta's the guy, but he just needs a little bit of time, I feel like. So mm. yeah
1: that's a good point. I was just more thinking, like, I remember there's a stat where this is the lowest position that yeah,
0: that's bad. That's not Arsenal
1: good. have been going into uh North London Derby. I was just like, really? And I looked at the table, I was like, oh, they're like fourteenth, fifteenth. So I was thinking, oh my gosh. So maybe statistically, yeah, this is really bad, but I see what you're saying, though, where under, even under Unai Emery, it was that bad. passion, that was, it was, that was really bad. Yeah. Like, good good evening. evening was bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it good was evening. bad. I think people don't forget. I think a lot of people, like, there's been a lot of United fans and being like, oh, look at Mourinho. We need Mourinho back. But no, I don't think people, like, it's so easy to kind of forget the hard times sometimes. It's so easy to just think about, like, oh, look how good he's doing. Like, we need him back. Like, oh, he knew all along. Yeah. He did point out a lot of the flaws, but no, Mourinho is not the type, right type of manager for Manchester United. There was a reason it didn't work out. I don't think people remember how bad it was in that third season with Mourinho. It, it was bad, Tyler. Tyler, it was bad. It I was remember. Really bad. I was there. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> he got sacked after the Liverpool game and he got I watched destroyed those by Shakiri. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh gosh. When he got, when he got destroyed by Shakiri, so... I think a lot of people sometimes feel like, "Oh, look at like, oh, you know, it wasn't this bad." But I, it, people have short memories sometimes. <laughs> you got to remember long, big picture. Arteta's trying to big build a bigger project here. It's not about some. It's like the stock market. Sometimes it's not about the short game. It's about the long term, long term game. And I think that's what Arteta is going for, kind of that longish project plan, not the uh, short term results, which is a more Mourinho-style way of doing things, that short-term, get the short-term results, not thinking about the big picture Mm long-term.
1: You're giving some Arsenal fans some hope now.
0: Yeah.
1: Meanwhile, I guess they'll be uh, fighting off relegation. (laughs) (laughs) At this point. At this point, but maybe next half of the season, it will turn around. If
0: they need to pull out a run, this is when you need to pull off a run.
1: Exactly, because we are starting to hit that holiday season where we're playing two games a week. And I will say under Mourinho, this Tottenham side has really turned around. So it, yeah. I feel like Arsenal and Tottenham have kind of flipped in the past yeah. decade, where before it was very much Arsenal, uh, you know, consistently getting top four and then Tottenham consistently not getting top four. Yeah. It's <laughs> like United it and Liverpool.
0: Around. They've like flipped this decade too.
1: That's true. It's been, it's like <laughs> Man and Liverpool flip, but I mean, I'm kind of scared for this Tottenham team because Tottenham and Liverpool are coming up soon. That yeah. that game where they face off against each other, we'll be talking about that at the end of the pod. But yeah, it it was
0: funny though in this game that Mourinho, after the Sun goal went in, he just kind of you know, are you not entertained? He has his arms out. Yeah, and Shout out like to you said,
1: Yush for uh, tweeting that on yeah. <laughs> the official Twitter for NBC.
0: Yeah, I. <laughs> Definitely I I had some fun with that one but it definitely I do agree with you that these results and the way that Tottenham is playing is definitely feeding uh, that ego of Mourinho and when that ego gets really hot um Mourinho sometimes goes to another level with his manager that managerial um tactics so it's uh, it is his
1: uh, publicity stunts I would say Yes exactly I'm getting ready for him to tell off an interviewer soon
0: At this point, yeah, I I, I have nothing to say. If I speak, I have nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I agree with you. I think Tottenham are just—you know—it's crazy because in that game, Tottenham were really good in the first half, and then the second half they dropped back, but they looked so good. I think a lot of it was they looked good defensively, but Arsenal also Arsenal didn't really offer anything in the final third or attacking. But yeah, Tottenham picking up another win—they are just rolling. They literally have
1: nine goals conceded. The only team that have less than... Or still only have single-digit goals conceded.
0: That's how you know. Mourinho's working his magic.
1: How how is this happening? A Tottenham side with a defense like this. We haven't seen that since, like, prime Pochettino era.
0: I know. He did it with United with Phil Jones and Chris Smalling as his starting center back. So if he can do it with them as his starting center backs, he can do it with anyone. He
1: he can do it with Dyer. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um... And then uh, the other result from the weekend, the big one, was Liverpool-Wolves, Liverpool-Crushing-Wolves, 4-0. Um, yeah, it was another like cruise control game almost. You it know? really
1: was. Like Liverpool came into that game. And I will say, Connor Cody, the former Yeah, that guy Liverpool. just
0: gifted you a goal. Come on.
1: <laughs> I'm always thinking that. Because they, the commentators always say, every game, is like, oh yeah, Connor Cody was an Academy product. Big Liverpool fan captain of the the Wolves' side. And then it's like, oh, Connor Cody has made a big mistake. (laughs) He's gifted a goal. And it's, you know, I feel like maybe there's a slight edge on that because I I remember distinctly last season too during this title run, it was like, oh man, Wolves has been on fire. But Connor Cody's the captain. (laughs) It's like, are they going to keep that fire going? And it's like, oh, Wolves lose all of a sudden. That's weird. So got to give props to the inside man. But then again, in the same game, uh, there was a VAR decision that went Liverpool's way for one of the first times in my short-term memory because I feel like a lot of things don't go our way, but I was like, wow, this went our way. And it was uh, for Conor Cody potentially earning a penalty for Wolves, but he dove. <laughs> so I was like, all right, thank goodness. So even then when he tried to get something back for Wolves, I guess this—I guess Liverpool still cursed because he's a former Liverpool player. So he couldn't get a penalty for his own team. So maybe there is, you
0: know, would probably play. I always wonder um, when you have players that were, that grew up big fans of certain clubs and are playing against them. I wonder what, I wonder what it feels like. I really do wonder what it feels like. Is it like sort of a, I want to show like, there's some players that like, Oh, I want to show these guys that, Hey, you know, forget you for like leaving me. But there's also some players that like Connor Cody, that could be a little sentimental whenever they play him. (laughs) Uh Oh,
1: I know there's a lot of players that have left Liverpool and are still really big Liverpool fans. I would say, like, mm-hmm. like Jose Enrique is the one that pops up the most because if you go on Instagram, but every single Liverpool post, you always see him in the comments or always see him liking the post. It's always Jose Enrique. It's like of all people, it's like it's not like Stevie G. Like, like you don't see people. Suarez, Yeah, it's never them. It's always Jose Enrique. <laughs> It's like oh there
0: he is once again Is, that, or, is Alberto Barino still part of the squad? Mm, or is he on loan?
1: No, he's out. He like he's gone. Okay.
0: But he doesn't comment. He's no, he doesn't right? comment. Okay.
1: Like I was thinking is like is he part of the squad like the comment squad is like nah. He's out. <laughs> I think Yeah, it's just it's just mostly him. It's just Jose Enrique every time. <laughs> he's like the biggest fan of the player. <laughs> so I mean, just things like that. And then also just watching this game too. It was surprisingly cruise control, as you said, for Liverpool. I was thinking, I was like, what? What on earth? You know, we had Matip back, which is really good. Like there's just at some points, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there's a Twitter account called Matip doing things or like random thing Matip does. I forgot what it's called, but it's him just doing things out of context. Maybe that's what it's called. Like, Matip out of context. Out of context, Joel Matip. Yes. And then it's just him doing, like, random things, like making faces or just complaining just by (laughs) himself, like making really vivacious (laughs) kind of gestures and movements just, like, by himself. And Mm -hmm. then there's so many that came from this game. And he scored, too. So it's just... That's one of my, like, random funny things I've seen from this game. But it was kind of crazy to see... But I will say Wolves, they were a little hampered not having Rahul Jimenez. Hopefully he'll come back soon after getting that skull fracture from the previous game against David Luis. But they started potence at center forward for that... I think they changed formation even. I think it was a 4-3-3. Usually Wolves goes with a 4-3-4. No, 3-4-3. And this game they did a 4-3-3. So they even had to change formation without Rahul Jimenez. So... I think that also played a factor in why Liverpool were a lot more dominant in this game too. But even then, this is a big win for Liverpool. Also catching up on that goal difference against Tottenham. Because now it is 14 goal difference for Tottenham and 9 for Liverpool. So this 4-0 definitely helped. And also as a quick add-on for this Liverpool section of the the pod. (laughs) Trent Alexander-Arnold. He captained the team for the first time. Oh, yeah, I'm wearing the jersey with him. There you go. So he yeah. captained the team for the first time against uh, FC Midgetland. I don't know how to say their name. But against, yeah, in the, basically the last game of the group stages. So that was a big moment for him. That was the first time he's captained the team since he was a youth player. So yeah. that's that was pretty big. And also it was big to see him back in the squad oh, as yeah. a starter. So, you know, Nico Williams has been doing... He was all right. You know, it was definitely not Trent Alexander Arnold-esque. Where, you know, when I was talking about that ESPN top 10 for right backs, he was number one. Just kind of put that out there. (laughs) So uh, it was really cool to see Trent be that next guy up there because think about the totem pole of the captaincy. It's Henderson and then Milner and then Van Dyke. And then I guess after that, it's Trent. So it looks like the next leaders are already, you know, stepping up and making some moves. Which is that's always good cool. to see.
0: Yeah, no, that's really cool. And um, being an academy player, that's really cool to see that, like that, that yeah, academy so- player taking that step up, being a and captain. Then and
1: such. seeing like Curtis Jones too, also being a little bit more comfortable as a starter. That was also really cool to see too, because he is a player that Klopp really had a lot of faith in, kind of like Rian Brewster. But you know, Curtis Jones gets that start, and he's doing a lot of good work. Like he's making runs. And being very positive in his runs too, where you know if the ball doesn't come his way, he'll still make the run anyway, just in case. And that's some—that's a skill you can't really teach. It's just kind of a, like a mentality. I feel like at times. Yeah. But
0: no, Liverpool are doing well. I think they—they've done a good job of kind of uh, riding the wave when it comes to the injuries. I still think—I uh, still think they can definitely go for the title now. I think having Trent Alexander-Arnold back and a couple other players back, like Matip, as you said. You know, the next step is just getting some of those other key pieces back, and I think they're 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 good to go. They're good to go as long as they don't pick up any other injury. So they're uh they're they're, they're cruising, as we said the <laughs> right now.
1: Tony cruising, yeah, Tony cruising. That actually brings me to. I feel like I don't want to steal your thunder, Yush, but yeah. transition to some of the next things we wanted to mention in terms of Rian Brewster because yeah. Sheffield. I, this is something that. We should talk about because there there's a slight elephant in the room in the Premier League at least that is kind of also kind of going under the radar because the lens might be a little too zoomed in on the top of the table. But <laughs> Sheffield United, winless in 11 games. Rian Brewster, he is a bit of a flop right now, I'm not going to lie. My boy. Jordan <laughs> a-
0: Ibe. Jordan Ibe levels right there.
1: Yes, it's kind of reminding me of Bournemouth last season when Bournemouth decided to buy even more Liverpool players for a pretty hefty price for their and budget. Did
0: they buy like with Harry Arter? or <laughs> no, not Harry Arthur. Arthur. Uh,
1: um They bought a Solanke, Dominic Solanke. Oh yeah, the, uh, but they had
0: loaned in Harry Wilson, right? Yes, Harry, they Harry they Wilson. loaned in Harry
1: yeah. Wilson, and then they also had Jordan Ibe too. And mm. I was like, man, that's like the Liverpool graveyard of academy players.
0: Yeah, didn't they have Klein at one point? Or was that? No, no, they, no, they did have Klein. I think. Someone this... had Klein. Crystal Palace has Klein right now, but... Okay, I remember him being at Newcastle Bournemouth at one point.
1: Oh, no. He didn't really play too much. That's what I yeah. remember. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, Bournemouth got relegated, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. once again, Liverpool have given another lesser opposition, like one of the smaller clubs in terms of transfer budget, one of their academy products, or at least a promising player. You know, because Solanke wasn't an academy player, but I think right now Sheffield are kind of eating it because yeah. maybe it's partially people have kind of found them out. The other teams have kind of found them out since last season's tactics where they're very good defensively. And then also maybe that Rian Brewster transfer move of 30 million pounds is really kind of kicking them in the butt because he's not as producing as much as he should be based on that mm-hmm. price. And also a third thing that I think a lot of people aren't mentioning is that Dean Henderson not having him yeah. has been really bad because Yeah.
0: he's a good keeper.
1: I feel like having a good keeper sometimes could make up for mediocre defense. Hey,
0: look at Tom Heaton.
1: Yeah, look at Tom Heaton. <laughs> he's he's like he
0: single-handedly saves like Burnley a lot of times. This is just like miraculous saves half the time. Mm-hmm.
1: And then after that it came Nick Pope. So, yeah. I mean, just kind of like little things like that. I will say that the Burnley defensive style under Sean Dyche does kind of cater to be more defensive and be more physical. It kind of helps out the keeper a little bit. Mm-hmm. But even then, you saw Dean Henderson at times last season. He would single-handedly save Sheffield and then they'd win 1-0 a lot of yeah. times or just keep a nil-nil or just a 1-1, something where they won't concede more than one goal a game. And with Dean Henderson being the bench player for United, I feel like... Is it worth it for Dean Henderson have not gone out to Sheffield again on loan or maybe another team on loan this season? Because I feel like Man U, he barely plays. Is, is that what that help his
0: development? He he has come in for a little bit, but I think he wanted to fight for the number one spot. That was his main reason for coming back. Like he wanted to fight. He felt like he was ready to fight for the number one spot. And there actually have been um reports that a lot of people inside the training ground feel like Dean Henderson should be given a chance to be United number one for a little bit um, because of De Gea's kind of uh, performances lately. But mm-hmm. obviously, that's a discussion for another day. We'll see what actually <laughs> ends up happening there. But Dean Henderson is, from what I've seen, is is pretty good and a pretty aggressive keeper. Like he's not afraid to he's not afraid to really go out for the get the ball. He's not a very hesitant keeper. He's a very you know big keeper. So. I think not having him is a big miss, too, because when you talk about a spine, a goalkeeper kind of completes the spine of a team. When you have a good goalie, it kind of elevates the rest of your team. Like we saw with Liverpool, with Ali Son, If you have that good goalie, he will elevate your team. And I think having a subpar goalkeeper has kind of hurt them this season. And also just not playing up to the level that they should be the flop of kind of Rian Brewster. But I also think... um I don't know what Liverpool does. I don't know if they like put these young players in a hype machine and just kind of like sell them out, you know, occasionally. But they they do a pretty decent job of getting decent profit on these players. I remember Jordan Ive was like, what, 40 million, 30 million? I don't think it
1: was that much, but okay. I think it was like maybe 20 million. Yeah, it was still a
0: decent amount for an yeah. unproven player. At the, like that showed flashes of being someone decent. Mm-hmm. And the same thing we saw with Rian Brewster um you know he was out on loan I think was it Swansea right yes yeah Yeah. he showed flashes of like I remember you were talking about him way back and you kept talking about like okay this guy could be like the next Liverpool number nine and he didn't live up to it and then Liverpool sold him probably at his peak of his hype and now he got he's gone for 30 million now he's kind of in a way flopped and Um, I don't know what Liverpool do. They do a really good job of that. I feel like they're one of the few clubs that does a good job of kind of capitalizing on if they know a youth player isn't going to make it, they kind of just... Sell them. Yeah, (laughs) they capitalize on the profit they can and just kind of move on, you know? And I think um, they do a really good job of that, which is quite shocking because it's hard to predict on whether a youth player will be good or not.
1: Like, there are a lot of posts on the internet, people saying it's... Whoever are in charge of the Liverpool board need to run a country because they just literally (laughs) change players. Like they just flip players, like people flip houses. Exactly. Like like not even players that are academy products. You've seen players come in like Coutinho, Suarez, Torres, like big name players too. They come in for, you know, a pretty decent price and then they sell for astronomical prices. I mean, given it was to one club like Barcelona or.
0: You know, like a rival Salah. team like Chelsea. Salah but, was bought what, for like 45, 50 million from Roma. I think it was
1: 35.
0: Yeah, it was cheap. And yeah, now that's... he's probably worth like 100 million if mm-hmm. someone tried to buy him.
1: And Sadio and Mane, Mane, too, is around 30 million, too.
0: My autumn was a cheap deal. I mean, we've talked about this before, but they are a really good job. They do a really good job of bringing players in for the cheap and turning them into world superstars. And they also do a good job of kind of selling high instead of buying high type of thing. Um, or, yeah.
1: as they say in the workforce, they're, they do a really good job of putting lipstick on something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Making it
1: look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> they sell it off and you take off the lipstick. It's like, oh gosh. Tables, what heck is this? <laughs> I,
0: they they definitely do a good job of hyping up. They probably have a good salesman out there, like negotiating these deals, just hyping up the player, you know? So, good marketing they, team or something. Job. Yeah. They do a good job of, of doing that. And I think. For Sheffield, it is concerning because they don't they don't have a win. They're a winless team right now in the Premier League. That's not good going into December. And they need Rian Brewster to step up. Like they need him to start. They tried putting Oli McBurney. He's not the best striker in the world. Oli McBurney is kind of you know, you know what you're gonna get with Ollie McBurney. There's only so much you can do with him. So they really need Rian Brewster to step up, and he hasn't. So Maybe oh.
1: there will be a second half rush in the season where you know they kind of bounce back. Who knows? You can just go on maybe a few games running, winning run, and that could really boost you out. But as you saw last season with Watford's attempt of the Great Escape didn't yeah. work, so
0: they sacked Nigel Pearson. I'm still shocked by that. Sometimes, like, how do you sack Nigel Pearson, the guy? You're that's
1: Watford. Like- you can you just fire people because that's what their that's what their culture is. We were talking about. <laughs> Club Cultures, that's Watford for you. It's just, you know what? Things are going good, fired. Things are going bad, fired. Things are going just eh, in the middle, fired.
0: (laughs) One game in, fired. Yes. (laughs) In the halftime talk, fired. (laughs) Continuation, but.
1: It's literally the the life of like a big four consultant. It's just like, just randomly fired. It's like, all right.
0: (laughs) We'll just bring someone else in. Just bring someone else in bring the cycle the same people back in and see what happens now.
1: They literally did that. Yeah. This <laughs> is bring this guy back and then fire him again. It's like, oh my gosh.
0: I feel bad for the uh I'm forgetting his name. Was it Kike?
1: Yeah, Kike Sanchez Flores.
0: Yeah. I do feel bad. How does it feel to get like sacked from the same club twice? I don't, like that that's just that's horrible. I mean,
1: in my opinion, I feel like maybe you saw it coming. It's like, I know what I'm getting back into. Where it's like that meme where it's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> but I mean, the the only thing I remember from a second run was that there's this one game I saw of him where he's wearing a sweater. It was like a very gray, not heavy, but it, maybe it was heavy for the time of the year. But it was very sweaty. And I was just Ooh. like, man, this is he not sweaty <laughs> you can see his armpits just like soaked in and sweat oh. and then like the middle chest area i'm like dang dude and he got fired like the following few games after but i was like that's all i remember of him in the second run
0: yeah I, I feel like the way they go through <laughs> managers they don't even issue them like the official like club jackets and stuff they just give them like the same generic jackets and just wash them yeah this it's
1: the same it's like oh, this is last guy's jacket here you go
0: <laughs> you can't uh just too much money on the too much money online they keep printing jackets for all these coaches and stuff so gosh uh that's
1: now they're in the championship so yeah. who knows I don't know what's
0: going on with them but yeah that's like uh that's a walk for a tangent. we do miss them the <laughs> sacking of managers but um moving on to the previous preview section we are actually doing a double dip um double dipping in here so we have this week's games um two games from this current match this match week that's coming up this weekend and then one game from the midweek games which are going to start now because we are entering the december time everything's going to get crazy i mean these guys are going to have to basically play games in a three-day stretch like two games in three days type type thing so we are entering the busy the crazy period but for this weekend these two games we have arsenal burnley arsenal Need to pick up a win. They picked up a pretty big and sizable win. I think it was like 5-1 or 5-0 or 4-0 in the Europa League today. However, as we've discussed, their Premier League form has been really bad. They're facing a really tough Burnley team. I'm going to go on the record. I'm going to say it's a 1-1. I think Burnley do enough to get a draw, and I think Arsenal don't do enough to get the win. I just haven't seen enough of them to, get, to, to, to say that they get a dub.
1: This is like a relegation battle,
0: yeah, literally. Because <laughs> no, I think Cause they there there will be fans because they're in London, so they're mm-hmm. uh, they're actually in the tier that gets to, that's a, that's allowed to have a certain number of fans in. I believe.
1: I don't understand the England tier system yet. Where I believe there's like one, two, three, and then yep. based on
0: what tier, what what like the city's tier is in terms of like coronavirus concern, that's determines like. If fans are allowed, like Manchester, I think is in tier three, which is the red zone of like no fans are allowed yet. Like they still need to uh, get better with the COVID and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's a little bit weird.
1: And then Liverpool, I think are like tier two, because I saw some fans in that. We probably should have mentioned that. This is like the first, (laughs) first games of the season where there are fans in certain stadiums because in the Liverpool stadium, there were fans in the Copa
0: Tottenham yeah North London see there's been such a long week sometimes we just forget what happens yeah it's been
1: a lot going on this week but
0: yeah but there were actually fans in that North London game so it was it was really cool though to see that there was actually no enhanced audio it was actually just fans singing and screaming it was just the mics put on those
1: 2,000 fans (laughs) basically
0: (laughs) pretty good job I think um I think a lot of these fans know. So what's interesting, too, is if you're actually selected for the game, you, that's your only ticket. You don't get another ticket back for the rest of the season, I think. So these fans are really like when you get in, they really do make the most of it because they, they know they're not going to get back in very easily. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's really cool. And I think it's it's nice to hear no enhanced audio. It's nice to just hear fans again. It's, yes. it's refreshing for sure.
1: It was kind of like sad to see too because like it was just everyone, I mean it was good, everyone was wearing masks and it was just like, it was such a I don't don't know if dire is like the right word, but it just seemed like so it was like this is the most they can do. It's like just 2,000 fans. It's not like America where, you know, you go to Sanford Stadium and it's like all right, we have 25% or like 20% capacity and then if you do the math like 20% of 93,000 is still like 18,000 and then it <laughs> almost looks full still. So, yeah.
0: like, masks not required and such.
1: Yeah. And then, like, people aren't even wearing masks. Well, you see, in this England side, like, game, everyone's still wearing masks. Everyone is still actually more distant from one fan to another. Yeah, it's just like, it looks like a really kind of sad kind of environment because it looks like no one showed up to a game. <laughs> I think that's what I was kind of thinking. Instead of having oh. a, a packed stadium, you just see, like, that many people in the in the stands, but
0: I I think they do a good job though. They have kept everyone in like the lower bowl. So they're not just like, like putting like 200 fans here, then like 300 fans up in like the nosebleeds. Cause that'd be really weird if they did. Yeah.
1: That. So they kind of keep them all within like a general area. Yeah. But I mean, it was cool to see and it was more hopeful. I would say mm-hmm. in that we're maybe turning a new leaf in this yeah long long 2020 of just not having much besides just social distancing and not having fans in the stadium but i think this is more so hope that we can now hopefully get that vaccine out soon because you know it is going around but this is not a medical pod or a (laughs) british pod so i don't know how much you can say about this Don't, don't take our word too much for it but that's at least what we know as two two folks from georgia yeah <laughs> but uh, going back to this preview, at least, I think for this game i I, I joke saying there this is a relegation battle game, but at least for Burnley, I feel like it is because they are yeah. currently in the relegation zone, and beating a relegation, not a relegation team, but like being a team like this and then fighting another team that is vulnerable right now will be big. And I think Burnley needs to take advantage of that vulnerability. But then again, they are in the relegation zone for a reason. And <laughs> I don't see either team really getting it's that goal.
0: Nerve-wracking. Yes. nervous. Team.
1: I think Burnley have a slight edge because they could rip a long shot like Brady did in the last game. But I think Arsenal's defense is too stout for them to get anything like that off. Because I feel like, if anything, Arsenal's defense is more structured than at least their offense. So I think this would be a very canceled out game and it'll be nil nil mm. i usually don't say too many nil and then again if you think back to like a few maybe even last pod i said probably said a nil nil but i think this will be a zero zero
0: yeah okay i'm you're going zero i i'm going one one so two draws here and then um this saturday we have the manchester derby um manchester united versus manchester city united hosting city um at Old Trafford. United's record in the Premier League at home has not been good. They're coming off this really poor result. But I will say this, knowing how consistently inconsistent Manchester United is, Manchester United are, excuse me. I have this really weird feeling that they could somehow get a victory. Just knowing how dumb this squad performs on a week-to-week basis. I don't know. I feel like they could actually win this game 2-1. Because City have not been the most dominant. And there could be a case where you see City just absolutely dominate Manchester United. But I don't know. Just knowing how this team functions, I just somehow I feel like they're just they'll find a way to win. So I think the United win 2-1. Shockingly in this game. I don't know how, but they will.
1: I will say Man City in the Premier League versus Man City Champions League. This season, at least, have been two different teams. Yeah. Because Man City basically swept their group. Oh yeah, and
0: Forrest was all going off.
1: Yes, and I will say that might be something in United's favor as well because you know Man City they're they're seventh right now in the table. Mm-hmm. They're not even top five. They're not even like in a standing where they can get European competition for next season. But I mean, it's a long season, so they'll probably get it. But Man U, they're also coming off being kicked out of the Champions League. I don't think they want to go into this Man City game and lose or get a draw because then they'll just be on top of the disappointment from being in Europa League. It'll just be a- losing the Derby at the same time. So I think the players will be fired up. At least I hope they are. And I think... I'm going to agree with you, Yash. I'm going to have to say, Man U could find a way. Very but rare
0: a t- United result.
1: I can't though. It's like ah. Uh... <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say 2 2. I'm gonna say 2 2. That's the safe that's the safer kind of bet, but I wouldn't be surprised also, man, you find a way to get this.
0: Yeah. It it'll be interesting. I think um it's nice to see Tyler kind of going with the United side. That doesn't happen <laughs> <at all.
1: laughs> Gotta Just like cover the badge for a second. It's like shh. <laughs> gonna help you uh, out for a little bit.
0: The final game we have, which is not this weekend's window, but next week, which is the midweek games, um, Tottenham-Liverpool, which is surprisingly number one versus number two. And er- oddly enough, this potentially could be a title-deciding game, especially if um, if it becomes like it was the last two seasons where we see two teams basically sweep the entire Premier League and it just comes down to these two games. So I would say Liverpool have kind of had Tottenham's have been, you know, they basically beaten Tottenham for the past couple of years. They've been, they played pretty well against them. Um, I can't remember last year's result against Tottenham, how Liverpool performed. But I will say this, if there's one manager that knows how to beat other good managers is Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp has a good enough squad to do it. And I think... I I will say this because I don't want to see Tottenham win the league. I'll just say that. I don't want to see them win the league. So I will go with Liverpool actually beating Tottenham 2-1. I think Jurgen Klopp can do it. And yeah, I just don't want to see Tottenham win the league. So that's purely why I'm going 2-1 Liverpool.
1: Ooh, this is going to be a tough one for me because looking back at the results, I I did a check, yes. Liverpool won both fixtures last season against Tottenham. 1-0 and 2-1. So this game, though, they're a lot different because Tottenham going into this as the top of the table, you know, team. And I feel like they're a lot stronger this season, too. So this team with Liverpool, they're also still missing some key players. I'm not sure if Ali's son will be back. But Calvin Keller, right now the academy player that's in goal, has been doing pretty decent, I would say. So... I mean, even then, like when he's, when he's been called to step up, you know, he stepped up. But as you just said, against bigger opponents, usually Klopp does find a way to get the result. It is a slightly different Liverpool side, but I think we have what it takes. And we're at home. So yeah. we, we got to get the dub. We got to get our way back on the table, on the top of the table. And I think Liverpool repeat what we did in the Champions League final and win 2-0. We're gonna have to stop Son and Kane, but yeah, one can dream. <laughs>
0: Next. I um, I have been noticing on social media there seem to be a lot of new Tottenham fans coming out of the woodwork. Um, I will say what? that
1: <laughs> yeah, the a lot Tottenham of, fans, yeah, are new,
0: yeah, because of how good they're doing right now. I, I'm a little getting a little sus about this new Tottenham fanship going around. Those Tottenham um,
1: fans were formerly Chelsea fans, probably they were, oh, I were mean or city fans. Yeah.
0: <laughs> fans, fans. fans. And then it just goes on and on. So,
1: Oh my gosh. Uh,
0: you know, shout out to all the real Tottenham supporters. You know, you guys definitely have deserved it. You know, you guys have been a pretty good side for the past couple of years, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're a little sus. Some, some, some sus Tottenham fans that have been coming out lately. Yeah.
1: So. If you're a Tottenham fan, while y'all had Luca Modric on your team yeah, or, yeah. you know, Peter Crouch on the team, it's like, all right, that's, that's yeah. fine. But if,
0: if who's, that, the, who's that 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 fullback they used to have it's like a sus not as Oh, Asu Yeah. <laughs> the left back. Had yeah, Van Vander and such. Yes.
1: Throw back to those. If if you're a Tottenham fan and you don't know those players it's like I don't know. It's a little sus.
0: <laughs> or even like going to Musa Dembele when he was still at the Tottenham midfield and such so. Dude. Danny Rose and Kyle Walker as the fullbacks, they they were the OG Tr- Trent and Andrew Robertson before Trent and Andrew Robertson became.
1: Yeah, the, I would say so at a certain like, point.
0: Like the fullback, uh, well, what what's the I don't know if
1: they're that? that high. I know Walker is pretty up there. I don't know about yeah, Danny Rose.
0: Danny Rose pretty well, Danny Rose was doing pretty well that season.
1: He's all right. He was okay, not Robertson level. He's all right. Yeah, but and they were the walkers was goal- fast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: standard of like fullbacks at that point they're like okay we want if you want fullbacks this is the type of fullbacks we wanted but yeah i I guess that's
1: why man city bought walker too
0: (laughs) that season after they bought him and then you know rest is history but yeah that kind of rounds up uh the preview section for us uh yet that essentially just wraps up episode 99 for us we're really close to episode 100 we are still have some planning to do about what we're going to do on episode 100 but we're gonna um, make it big yeah, got to gotta make it big. It's episode 103, triple digit. No longer this two double digit, triple digit. So uh, it'll be fun. Um, but yeah, 99 episodes is pretty crazy. But thank you guys so much for listening. As we always say, uh, please rate, comment, subscribe. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, the Premiere Pod, that we've been posting, the obviously, the video portion of the podcast. You can find us there at the Premiere Pod. Subscribe to us. Like comment on there. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. You can follow us on social media on Instagram or Twitter at the Premier Pod as well. We keep it very simple for you guys. No weird handles and stuff like that. You can give <laughs> us a follow and add us on there. Um, but yeah, I know Tyler wanted to mention that. Uh, what is it? Listening. It just you don't even have to. You don't even have to give us a rating as long as you just like give a shout out if you wanted to to one of your friends about the podcast. I know you were uh, mentioning. Oh yeah. That.
1: Just share the pod of one friend, maybe someone at work because everyone's working from home these days. Just listen yeah. to something. Right, maybe clean the, like yeah, the house, something. I don't know. Just have the podcast on, just give it a listen. Maybe someone, if as long as like one new person likes it here and there, it's like, that's honestly pretty big for us. Yeah. So just spreading oh, the word of our voices. <laughs> that's honestly going to be pretty cool. Just as the more people know about it, you Know that's all we can really ask for, so just spread it out to one person that you know, and then that'd be big for us,
0: yeah. No, for sure. Just uh, as Tyler said, if you can just spread it out to one more person, we'd uh, we definitely appreciate it. Yeah, but yeah good I'd-
1: Christmas gift. You're like, yeah, here's a suggestion for Christmas boom,
0: premier pod. pod you already have it, there's there no go. need to pay. More. Free yeah. gift, look at that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys, um, you know, listening is more than enough for us thank you guys so much for even taking the time to listen to us we do appreciate it but yeah that kind of wraps up episode 99 for us thank you guys so much for listening peace peace